Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello and welcome back to the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. I am your host, Wyatt, co-hosting alongside Lucas, Jared, Bart, and Aiden. Today we're going to be talking about the Notre Dame Bowl game as well as our recap of the national championship or the preview of the national championship. But before we go into that, we're going to talk about some news that we won't be talking about deeply on this show. Ohio State lost, unfortunately, and one of the worst kicks I've ever seen. Um, I know that 50 Mm -hmm. yarders are not historically high volume kicks for college players. So I'm not like, it's not like this. Uh, oh man, that guy screwed us. You lose by one point and played a good game. Um, but Michigan also lost as well, which makes it the medicine go down just a little bit smoother. Both. So now Georgia and TCU will be playing each other in the college football plant playoff championships. We'll talk more about that later. Any thoughts on the two games individually? It's absolutely the best college football playoff there's ever been. The semifinals have been historically bad in the past. Um, and this time they were actually both excellent, excellent games. I thought Michigan did not have a good game plan at all. And they didn't seem to believe in themselves with their play calling. Yeah. Like, especially the trick play right at the start of the game. Fourth and, mm-hmm. fourth and, fourth and goal and they run a trick play. I don't yeah, get that at ridiculous. all. Was it the Philly special yeah, that we've it was. seen? Mm-hmm again and again and again it's no longer special it's the philly ordinary because they (laughs) they run it every every team runs it on every game on a given moment especially if it's a big playoff game i'm game planning for the philly special to come out at some point Mm -hmm. but it works once and everybody thinks they should use it (laughs) copycat league the uh, Washington Commanders debuted their new mascot, Major Tutty, which is a pig with a war helmet slash uniform on. In classic uh, Washington Commander fashion, they're actually getting sued because <laughs> it's based off of the original Hogs, which is a legendary group of offensive linemen back from the 80s and early 90s, and they're suing them for using the Hog oh for like some sort of copyright thing or whatever. Um, so whatever, classic commanders as well as they didn't even know that they were going to be eliminated from the playoffs if the Packers were going to win um, which I'm not really that hard on them for but it was also just like another yeah. commanders funny thing I mean it's and, not that bad the, the body I think is bad but the, I'm not I don't have like a huge problem with it I don't know yeah I think it looks like a mascot <laughs> yeah it's a mascot yeah <laughs> it's just funny that they're getting sued for it it's you yeah. couldn't write it any other way. Also, Honestly, Sam Howell is now getting his debut for the Commanders, so they're now on their third quarterback. So they went from Taylor Heineke to Carson Wentz in a crunch time game. That blew up in their face, and then now um, <laughs> Sam Howell is going to take the reins yeah. for the final week. Did you see that originally they were going to have like Heineke start the game, but they said that Howell was going to play for some of it? And everyone was like, it's like the preseason like yeah exactly (laughs) like okay we'll switch off quarters um but then i guess they heard the feedback and we're just like okay we'll start i i thought the teams might be uh, adopting this back when the Tua ryan fitzpatrick era was is that you have a closer you know you you bring out the next guy you get them warm and then boom go out and close this fourth quarter saving them yeah exactly (laughs) i don't think that really worked for the 
No, it did not work. It did not work. <laughs> it worked for Notre Dame in the uh, 2012 season, though, when they went to the national championship. Everett Olsen was the starter, and then Tommy Reese was the closer. <laughs> I kind of vaguely remember that. Didn't it also kind of work for Clemson that Clemson, like, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence took over after a certain point? Uh, Maybe no. I'm wrong. Well, he, like, started after he came in as the starter, he played every game until, except for, like, one where he had a concussion. Uh, but I feel like definitely. Clemson did that a bunch this year, right? I feel like there were a couple of games where Cade came in, like mid game. Mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, it works out. <laughs> um, the Broncos are planning to target John Harbaugh and Sean Payton this offseason. Uh, price support is roughly $20 million for Harbaugh and even more for Sean Payton, apparently. Jared, Jim any Harbaugh. thoughts now Jim that Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, any thoughts now that Harbaugh has failed to win the big game? Do you have any <laughs> criticism on. The Broncos going after him. That, I mean, that's like his first big game in a while that he's lost. Though they were, they've been he really lost good in the last, last playoffs. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. but he wasn't. He wasn't like favored. There's, he had no chance in that game. That that Georgia team was crazy. Oh, okay, all right. This is the and only one I personally him. would hold against him. No, I agree. Yeah, they they beat Ohio State two years in a row. He's I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, and then I and then I got okay. I got to sit here and hear about how Ohio State fails to win the big games and blah blah blah. I mean, they do. What, they, they've done worse than Jim Harbaugh <laughs> in the last two years. I mean, they they gave Georgia everything they could handle, they did, and they, they were in position to win that game. I don't see how that that that's still much goes failure. down as a loss. They, they didn't win. The hey, game. But they but nobody's looking at that like that's a bad loss. They're, Michigan lost uh, and Ohio State lost, and who lost worse? Michigan <laughs> lost mm-hmm. clearly. <laughs> uh, but at least J.J. McCarthy got his yearly photo op of him watching the other team celebrate, and then he gets to go on a podium and say, like, the grind starts now. And, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like, he didn't absolutely blow that game for him. <clears throat> the Giants clinched the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Took a little uh, victory lap on that. Yeah. Happy for you guys. <laughs> really happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big time. Big, big for the New York team. Um, the New York Football Giants, as we as we call them, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, in some more morbid news, the Buffalo Bills safety Demar Hamlin collapsed after a hit on Monday night. Um, he remains in critical condition as we record right now. It's Wednesday the fourth. However, there are uh, signs of improvement per the last report that I read. Um, you know, I don't know where the bridge for critical condition is, but at least yesterday and overnight, he did show some signs for improvement. Uh, I thought that this was uh, frightening to see someone collapse in such fashion, and you could very, very much tell from the commentary from the announcers and from the just reaction from the players on the field that this was a very serious matter and, and an incredibly rare matter um, for what actually did happen is that he suffered a heart attack in the middle just because he got hit in the right exact spot with the right exact force at the right exact moment in his heartbeat. Um, which was a freak accident of all freak accidents if I've ever seen it. And uh, it's very unfortunate. And like and like I said, it, it was incredibly – you can see how emotional everybody was. Josh Allen was tearing up. A lot of other players were tearing up. Um, and then the commentators really didn't know what to do. They kept cutting back and forth, and they really had no idea what was going on. And I also, for the record, I don't criticize the NFL for not immediately canceling the game because I, I, there was a lot of – unknown in the situation and at the end of the day they did cancel it um but you know if if you're a person out there who wants to support in some way demar hamlin does have a gofundme for a toy drive uh his goal was to raise 200 and, or 2500 dollars last i checked was at four hundred thousand. um so there's no reason why that can't keep ticking up um and i you know we'll go ahead and we'll provide that link as well in our uh 
the buyout for this show? I think it was over like four million the last. That's time. what I thought. I checked. Was it four million? Was a separate. Yeah, it's something wow. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. No, I give a lot of credit too to the to the ESPN people. Like, I mean, there's there's like no game plan for how to deal with all this, yeah. and like just even to keep like your composure is, you know, commendable. Yeah, and I think as you alluded to, Wyatt, that's why the like there's so much kind of confusion on the field as to like starting it back up after five minutes or something. I think people were probably just in shock, and then the coaches got together and you mm-hmm. know really thought about it. And we're like, no, we're not, we're not doing it. So. And you know, I heard I heard someone say there's probably if something more like this were to happen, which obviously you know, God forbid, it does. The probably one of the better spots to have it. The medical professionals were right on it. I mean, they they were performing CPR and they had the AED almost immediately. So big kudos to them as well. But um, we're hoping that by the time the show posts or maybe our next show later in the week, there are more positive reports on Hamlin's status as of right now also they're not planning on um rescheduling that game which is you know it's probably the right move i would say yeah no, i would agree but moving on to our first topic we're going to talk about the notre dame playing in the gator bowl or the buckner roller coaster as we might call it tyler <laughs> buckner returns in the gator bowl it was an absolute roller coaster seven total touchdowns in the game what a game three passing touchdowns two rushing touchdowns two pick sixes all right, my math is right. Meanwhile, rumors of Sam Hartman transferring to Notre Dame are swirling. Lucas, what are your initial thoughts on everything that the quarterback position has to offer here? So I think this just continues to show sort of what an unknown quantity that Buckner continues to be at this point for Notre Dame. He clearly has like a really wide skill set. He can throw, he can run, and he can score in lots of different ways. But on the flip side of that, he is also super prone to turnovers. He had those two pick sixes, and he had another interception on top of that. So he had three interceptions in this game. And if you look at the stats in the three games he's played this season, and again, I don't think it's super conclusive as to how you would feel about him one way or the other. If anything, I think it points a little more negatively. Um, his completion percentage was barely above 50% across the three games. He had three passing touchdowns but five interceptions, which is a horrific touchdown-interception ratio. He did have four rushing touchdowns, which shows, again, he can do things with his, his legs in addition um, to throwing the ball. But this was the first game he'd won all year as a starter. They had lost to Ohio State and to Marshall with Buckner as quarterback. So, again, there's a really small sample size, so I think that continues to contribute to the fact that he's an unknown quantity. And even in those games he played, he was just kind of really up and down. And I think you got, like, five different versions of Buckner in the Gator Bowl itself. Um, and though Notre Dame ended up beating South Carolina, which I thought was a really good win, and I want to give kudos to Marcus Freeman, too, for really turning it around this year, ending 9-4. and four. I think it ended up being a relatively successful year and a team that will probably rank, finish the season ranked around 15 or so after losing to Ohio State and Marshall to start the season. But all that is to say is that, yeah, I think I don't really even know what to make of Buckner. He's just such an unknown quantity. I'm not really convinced he's the quarterback of the future at this point. And... There is a probably better option out there in Sam Hartman, who is, who is like the complete opposite of Buckner in that he is a known entity. His complete his career touchdown to interception ratio one ten to forty one is really good. This past year, his completion percentage was north of sixty. He can run too. In twenty twenty one, he had eleven rushing touchdowns. So if you're worried about giving that up with Buckner, Hartman provides at least some of it. He's maybe Wake Forest, one of their all-time greatest football players, and now he's an opportunity to come and make Notre Dame better. And I think that if Notre Dame is given that opportunity, they should do that. He's much more of a known quantity than Buckner. 
Um, and so I think now that they have potentially the, op- the option to get Hartman, as much as, you know, I'm rooting for Buckner and I'm glad he came back from the injury this year and things got better and they won the bowl game, I'm pretty high on Hartman, and I think that going for Hartman in the transfer portal should be one of, if not the top priorities for the team this offseason. Yeah, I think that was their original. I bet that was their original plan um, at the start of the season because it didn't seem like there ever was that much momentum to get like Hudson Card, for example, who was the other big name in the portal. Mm-hmm. And immediately when he got in the portal, somehow Notre Dame was the front runner. So maybe that's tampering. I don't know, but it's the Wild West in college football right now. Um, it, so it does feel like that was maybe the guy they wanted originally. Um, again, he wasn't in the portal yet at the time, but the the rumors were swirling even before that that he might enter. So yeah, I agree. It's definitely a no-brainer. I would say though, not that you said this, but I disagree with the notion that Buckner can never be a top-tier quarterback. Again, you didn't say that, but I think other people have said that. I think his potential does feel really high. And if you look at this game, he was mostly a distributor. And we're starting to get, presumably, we're starting to get better wide receiver classes. A lot of people are really excited about the wide receiver class we signed this year, for example. And if all you have to do is just take care of the ball and distribute it, which I think can be taught, the the turnovers can definitely be taught to get rid of those, then he, he could be pretty successful. And then and then combine that with how, how he could run. Um, I, I definitely would want Sam Hartman, but I'm not going to be super bummed if Buckner is who we go with next year because I think there is a lot of potential and like a pretty high upside with him. Yeah, no, I 100% agree that there's like a – there's at least a high upside. Like it's, I don't know, maybe not the highest of high upsides. Like, um, you might get with you know like a, a real five star guy, but I think there's the potential for him to be at least like improve and be competent in a way that I guess I don't think like you, Jared. A lot of people give him credit for. That being said, like I think there's also a pretty low ceiling too, or a low floor, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, in which like the turnovers have been really bad in the three games he's played, and like yeah. that just might not be something that might get better with time. So. It feels kind of like a Jack Cohn move in 2021 or whatever it was, where it's like you get a guy who is a known entity and you just sort of plug him into the system and he'll be fine. Like, that's kind of how I feel with Hartman. And while, like, Buckner has high upside, I do worry that the downside is pretty low and that it could, you know, not have good effects on the team going forward. Because it really feels like Buckner and Drew Pine this year, just the stage looked too big for them. They just looked like... They were not ready for it really like the mm-hmm. way that tommy reese would yell on the phone at pine and that kind of stuff like it just <laughs> they were not experienced enough for a team that was trying to contend sam hartman solves that um and while i think buckner i'm excited for him to like be used in certain packages next year if he does stay um and try to you know fight for that starting spot which i don't think he'll get but i'm excited to see him run and be used in certain scenarios um but it, it feels like a team like Notre Dame doesn't really have the ability to develop a quarterback or the the patience, you know, not, not saying there, this is a diss at Notre Dame. I just think it's for top flight programs. Like you can't wait years for guys to, you know, develop and get better. I don't think you can, you're like, you're not really allowed to have a year off as a Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Speaking of packages, I texted this to Lucas earlier. I think Tyler Buckner feels more like Taysom Hill than, somebody like Jalen Hurts, um, meaning he's a gadget guy. He's not like a runner, a runner, like naturally gifted runner that can develop into a solid passer. 
like in Taysom Hill, they had a lot of success with. That's why uh, you know the Saints did. So that's why I would be su- excited if we could use him correctly. I would still be excited for him. Um, and that gets me into another take I wanted to make, by the way, which according to Notre Dame Twitter is a hot take, or at least this is a very divisive uh, topic. Is Tommy Reese's play calling? I thought his play calling was, dare I say, unleashed a little bit in this game. I actually loved a lot of the calls he made. There was a fake quarterback draw that morphed into a pass. Unfortunately, Buckner didn't make the throw, but I thought it was a really good call. Obviously, there was that play-action pass for our final touchdown where the wide open, the tight end was just wide open. Really good play call there. There was another QB sneak where Buckner like waited a few moments and then kind of bounced it outside, and we got like three yards on it, I think. Or th- it was like a third and three or something crazy like that, and we did a quarterback sneak, and it actually worked. Because I thought it was a good play call, um, the way it was designed. I, I think people that don't like Tommy Reese all kind of pointed to, like, how can you do a pass in the reds in the end zone um, that resulted in Buckner's second pick six? I think if it's the national championship game or even, like, a regular season game that actually matters, I would have been mad about it. But let's be honest. I mean, it's a bo- it's the Gator Bowl. Cool to get, like, a little bit of momentum and go with the trophy. But we're trying to get Buckner reps, I think, in terms of the bigger picture if we don't get Sam Hartman. We need to give uh, Tyler Buckner reps, which he has not had. So I don't really mind that call personally, in given the context. That's my that's my kind of take from the game. I actually really liked Tommy Reese's play calling. Yeah, I thought it was a well called game too. I mean, he scored forty five points. Like that can't be necessary. Like you can't just be like really messing up every single play call. Like some people like to believe Reese doesn't score forty five points in a game. So mm-hmm. yeah does make you kind of wonder what the season would have looked like with Buckner the whole year. Like, obviously, they lost the first two games, uh, but mm-hmm. he did leave that second game, and it, it, I'd be curious to have seen what would have happened and what it would have looked like from an offensive perspective. Because we did definitely struggle at times. Not that we mm-hmm. wouldn't have with Buckner. But... You can tell Reese wants to run a different kind of offense that, like, mm-hmm. Drew Pine just was not capable of running. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. So, that's exciting. If we got Sam Hartman, I'd be really excited. That would be like kind of the test for the Tommy Reese uh, skeptics yeah. Yeah. of like how good of a coordinator is he. Yeah, There's no excuses mm. if the yeah. Sam Hartman thing doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. I saw PFF says over the past two seasons Hartman is first in wins above average, which heck if I could tell you how that's calculated, <laughs> but I didn't realize like, how good he is. Like yeah. he is, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he yeah, must have been really getting weighed down by Wake yeah. Forest. <laughs> It <laughs> it's just tremendous. by looking at him yeah but you just just watch his games and you're like that's the guy who's most he's a winner he is exactly <laughs> why what rebuttal do you have or or diss on notre dame do you have i'm gonna remain hopeful not really i mean i'm not that hopeful to be honest but um but <clears throat> at the end of the day they're just gonna have to find a, a quarterback it's classic fandom to say well we'll just get everybody um and mm-hmm. You know, Jared loves his stars, and I know you guys have a highly starred quarterback coming in, but at the end of the day, <laughs> we'll see who pans out and who does what. I think hey, there Sam- are a lot of seats warming up there, uh, out there in South Bend. No. Maybe not the HC, mm-hmm. but OC, yeah. maybe. Maybe. <clears throat> Still. There's some people that think he's, like, an offensive genius, that, like, we need to keep him at all costs, and then there's people that are, like, he's holding the team back. It's, it's pretty crazy. They have a difference of opinions on him. Sam Hartman, by the way, was like a three-star. He was a three-star recruit. They can be developed. Okay. This will be the sixth year, right? 
I think. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been playing for a while. I'm not exactly sure what year, but up yeah. there. And before we move on to our next topic, a quick word from our sponsor. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There is nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. It's hard to bet against Georgia, but I like TCU's chances in the natty. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlay. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That is code TPPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the national championship and preview it just a little bit. The TCU and Georgia will face off in the national championship. Proof, TCU does listen to our podcast. They executed <laughs> the game plan almost perfectly. A couple little tweaks here and there maybe, but we'll get them, we'll get them on the next round. Bart, does TCU's success provide a model for non-traditional powers to win, or is this just simply a fluke? So I do think they have provided a model, and I think a good chunk of it can be replicated. However, what I'm caught up on is that I think also a good chunk of it this year was like very situation-specific to this TCU team. And so I don't think it's as cut and dry as saying we now have a blueprint for non-traditional powers to win. Um, so yeah, let let me explain. So like, what is replicable? I think TCU has done a few like really common sense things to make up for like the talent slash recruiting gap, and why I know you were just talking about how much you hate this. I know the talent mm-hmm. composite score, all that good stuff, is annoying. But mm-hmm. TCU is kind of breaking some trends by even reaching the championship. So three things come to mind. They relied a lot on experience. Like almost all their key contributors were like juniors or older, which I thought was interesting. Um, their training staff apparently has made it a very big deal to focus on speed and strength training, which like I know is like very nebulous, but I think if you watched the Michigan game, people would agree TCU looked like the more physical team. So like, it seems like it did actually manifest itself in that way. And then the biggest thing, of course, I think you probably have seen many people talk about this is the transfer portal. Transfers were huge for TCU this off season, specifically on defense. They got Josh Newton, cornerback. He made the old conference first team. Johnny Hodges, linebacker from Navy, he made the all-conference second team. They had some other guys. I could go on. So those three things, definitely, it's a model. It makes sense, and other schools could do that too. But I am saying, again, that there are some things about the season that seemed, like, I don't know if fluky is the right word, but very situationally specific. For one thing, I think you have to admit they got kind of lucky. <laughs> they needed six come-from-behind wins to get to 12-0 and even. And then they also were just the second team ever to lose their conference championship and still make the playoff. Uh, like in a different, you know, alternate dimension, USC wins, TCU is left out, and we're not having this conversation about, you know, non-traditional powers, right? Um, and then, of course, like, I don't want to get into this. We could talk about the Michigan game all day, but I think enough weird things happened in that game where you have to say it felt at least a little fluky for TCU to win. I don't know. At least that's, that's my take. Mm-hmm. But even if you set all the, the like, luck-based stuff aside, the biggest thing for me that I'm caught up on is what I'm going to call the Sonny Dykes effect. It is crazy to me the difference that this coaching hire made for them. It's like they hit the jackpot because coaching hires normally don't work out this well, or at least not this quickly. 
right? Because last year they had largely the same roster. Gary Patterson was out, or he was in. They went five and seven. Then he goes out. Dykes comes in, and suddenly guys are playing like all stars, right? Like Kendra Miller mm-hmm. took a huge leap this year. Um, Quentin Johnston took a big leap this year. Some of those defensive transfers got a lot better. Max Duggan, in particular, took an enormous leap. For the first three years of his career, he was like an average quarterback, and now he's a Heisman finalist. It's not a coincidence that it happened when Sonny Dykes came in. We, as, you know, we're just talking about developing quarterbacks, right? Like that thing happened here, and so like of course you can say like other schools follow this model, just develop yourself a Heisman quarterback. But that's a lot easier said than done. So that's, that's what I'm caught up on, is I think the, the level of improvement in individual players that TCU saw this season was crazy. Um, and, and, like, you know, hiring a new coach and hoping he works out this well, like, you can cross your fingers, but I don't think it's going to work out for other schools this well very often. So, but the other stuff, for sure, they can replicate it, and that's a foundation, especially the transfer portal. Sorry. I think the coaching thing is especially crazy, too. I was reading some tweets, like, after the game about – you know, Gary Patterson has was the one that like built this program kind of from like one that hadn't been successful in like decades to like a consistent contender. And the second he's fired, they make a national championship game. It's kind of crazy. He he must be in shambles mentally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. for two decades he was their coach. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and they had some good years when he was there. I mean, they finished number two overall in 2010 when Andy Dalton was there. They should have made the playoff in 2014, but they then still ended up finishing third overall. Like, they had some good years, but like the second he leaves, they make a national championship. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I also think the transfer portal stuff is huge. Like, I think that that maybe even more than NIL, like, is proving to maybe be the great equalizer yeah. in college football at this point. And I think that's like a really good sign because like. You know, the old antiquated transfer system of, like, you have to wait out a year. It really, like, discourages it and sort of, like, makes you feel stuck at a school. And now it's, like, guys like, was it Johnny Hodgins is his name? And I'm the guy from Navy. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there would be no reason for him to, like, maybe leave Navy at that point at the end of his career. But now, like, you can play right away. You can do it all. You can attract guys that maybe want like a slight upgrade and stuff like that, and really just like upgrade your talent overall. And I think that's huge. And I think like we're starting to see the effects of it. I mean, like the even the whole playoff this year was a little more non-traditional in terms of who made it than past years. I mean, not real. I mean, like saying Michigan and Ohio State aren't traditional powers is like not a correct claim. But at least in like the playoff era, um, you saw some more distribution. Even with USC, like USC, like you mentioned, Bart could have very easily made the playoff this year had they won the Pac-12 championship game. Um, and I, I like that. I like that Like we're starting to get things shaken up a little bit at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and to keep going on the transfer portal point, besides just guys coming from, like, Navy or group of five schools, they like, TCU also got guys from Georgia and Florida State and Texas who would have traditionally, you know, in the past just been hoarded by those teams and, you know, maybe wouldn't have left because of all the, you know, stipulations with the transfer portal. But now the freedom to be like, oh, you know, I, I might get more of a shot here, and they made the most of it. Um, and that's probably for the best instead of having those guys sit on the bench at Georgia. That's what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado Zoo. Yeah. Taking, he's either taking recruits that are like, you're in a loaded class right now. You yeah. can come and be an immediate starter at Colorado or like a transfer guy yeah. to yeah. be an immediate starter here. Yeah. And that's why the bar or the expectation for Deion Sanders is like so high, I feel like, right now, just because of what we've seen with you know TCU and whatnot and other teams. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley like I feel like everyone expects Colorado to completely turn it around next year or that's kind of what the the narrative is um, it'll yeah be interesting to see 
You mentioned Lincoln Riley too, and we can get back to the actual topic at hand. But I want to plug that I was right about Lincoln Riley. I, this year was nothing. I, this year was nothing different than Oklahoma. They this went, year was nothing different from any year at Oklahoma. They went what? They, they went four and eight last year, four and nine last year. It was like the worst year in USC, like since like the nineties. It was the worst <laughs> year for USC, and then they they were a game away from the playoff. I don't see how you could. I understand that it, the situation was the same at the end of the season as it was with Oklahoma. But I can't see how you call this season a failure for or, like, disappointing for Lincoln Riley. Because it's literally the exact same thing he's done. Like, you're not getting anything different than you got before, than you expect from Lincoln Riley. Like, you expect with maybe more of a talent base at USC, more attractive thing, things would be different. I, I don't, I'm still the fact that, like, this is the exact, like, even down to having the Heisman quarterback. Like, it's, like, the exact same thing you get from Lincoln <laughs> Riley every fair. year. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think they were mostly playing with house money after they got nine wins. Like nine wins, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good rebuild. And then after that, you get more, and it's like it's kind of just gravy at that point. I think I think it's definitely it's more fair to say that after like year two or three. And you'll be like, okay, yeah, we're just getting the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll play. Lucas will play this back for us next year or the year <laughs> after when the exact same thing happens, and it'll be it'll be funny. But there was there was no time effects of the the transfer portal to the fact that I think Lincoln Riley will get some defensive guys in there and be able to transform some things around a lot of guys a starter (laughs) yeah got a lot of guys flip Um, the cornerback for Utah is he's the one of the top cornerbacks in the country was a Ohio State commit a couple years ago we could have used him Mm -hmm. you know these recruits and, and players go everywhere and anywhere I think Lincoln Riley I think we'll play this back the opposite way, and we'll do another recap of Lucas eating his own words. <laughs> I don't. Uh, we'll see. I feel like they've gotten good five stars, but their overall class was not that great. It was in the teens or something like that. Uh, for uh, at least for like high school recruits. They transfer portal school. Exactly. Also, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't recruit yeah. high schoolers. Why yeah. do you do that? High school. <laughs> this is like actually TCU might be. The like the the clear cut example now for why trans or why recruiting rankings like no longer matter like, mm. at least mm. the same mm-hmm. way that we always talk about them because yeah. unless you're including transfers in that class score, then like you know a lot of it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't think they include it at least two four seven. I thought talent composite does at least right? talent composite. Like, not, you're right. Yeah, talent composite rankings. does. Yeah, yeah. But TCU is still weird there. And you know what? Know. Shout out to uh, Tennessee. Josh Hupel was a first year. I think he's a fr- this was his first year. He got hired in – no, this was his second year. He got hired in 2021. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, completely transferred – transformed their program as well as one of a young head coach, partially b- because of the transfer portal. And look what um, Milton did for them, replacing Hendon Hooker, who was a Michigan player a couple years ago. So – I think the transfer portal is going to prove to be huge if it hasn't already for a lot of these teams. And, you know, if TCU can continue to bring guys in and say, like, look who we are, look at our coaching staff, um, and, and they can transfer, get people in accordingly, I don't see why they couldn't win the Big 12 on a regular basis, especially given where the Big 12 is headed right now with Oklahoma, who isn't very good right now, and Texas, who also is kind of and mediocre is Texas. right now. Yeah, it's crazy. But, I mean, like, like there's, there'll be no one else. They'll be competing with Cincinnati. For that spot, <laughs> and their head coach just left. Mm. So no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, we're competing for the number one spot in <laughs> your podcast rankings. 
Um, as always, you know the drill. Please like, subscribe, download, importantly. Hit us up on social media at lunchpailguys underscore. And we'll see you all back for our second episode later this week.